Mac Power Users, episode 564, Taking Pictures and Enriching Lives with Austin Mann. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my co-host and friend, Mr. David Sparks. David, how are you? I'm doing great, Mr. Hackett. It's uh, it's another week, and we have a really special MPU today for everybody. Yes, we do. I've really been looking forward to having this guest on the show. Uh, welcome back, Austin Mann. Hey, David, Stephen. So great to be here. I was looking in Skype, and it's been three years since we had Austin on. It was the iPhone 10. Um, for those of you who don't know Austin, he is... He's the person who I am most jealous of because he goes all over the world and all over the United States and takes amazing photographs and does a lot of other cool stuff. But every year, Austin does an iPhone camera review, and they're just amazing. I think the whole community is waiting to see where you go every year. I think that's just as fun as the cameras where where Austin's going to go. But he puts these cam these iPhone cameras under you know kind of the ultimate stress test whether he's climbing a mountain or hiking up a lake and uh has a lot of great insight on how to use the camera. So today Austin agreed to come back on the show. We're going to talk about the new iPhone 12 Pro cameras, but we're also going to be talking about just iPhone photography and mobile photography in general. So uh I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this one with the audience. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to being here. There's a lot to uh, a lot to talk about this year. Yeah, well, I mean, the the phones have changed a lot in the three years since you've been on, and um, I just I went back and looked at some of your prior years, and you always do a great job. But the images you're getting out of the latest iPhones are they they look to me like an SLR camera, and I know I'm not a professional, but they have they've come so far. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the biggest kind of gaps between smartphone any any smartphone and and uh, uh, a DSLR or a larger pro camera has traditionally been the low light performance, and particularly with the iPhone, we've seen such a huge jump in low light performance that yeah, now you're starting to see pictures. And um, I think it was last year when Night Mode came out, it was the first time in a long time that I looked at my screen and I I said wow, I can't believe I shot this with my iPhone. And uh, <laughs> and it had been a while, you know, since I had uh, really been that kind of set back, you know, because we've, we've come to know that the iPhone camera is so strong that we're starting to expect it to be great. But there's been some mm-hmm. substantial jumps in the last, uh, in the last year. Listeners will know that I have broken a fair share of iPhones. The number is not important, but the number is high. And uh, I love your reviews too. I think everybody who has seen them does, but I always get nervous because like you're, you're, you're hanging off like the side of a cliff. You're taking a picture of something. I was like, it's a brand new iPhone on the edge of a cliff. I would drop it. Uh, so I guess props to you for, for not being that guy. Well, I do take precautions. I, anytime I'm in any sort of risky situation, um, I'm always finding a way to, to tether it to me. You know, um, first of all, always uh, taking my my personal safety at the utmost highest and taking all the precautions necessary and then uh and then secondly yeah making sure i um have some sort of lanyard or something that's tethered to me in the in the unlikely event that i do drop it that it, it doesn't just end up at the bottom <laughs> of a cliff somewhere <laughs> it's like well that one's gone <laughs> old sailors used to say one one hand for the ship one hand for the man <laughs> i feel like now it's a one one hand for the man, one hand for the phone. 
<laughs> yeah. I've been known to uh way back when when I first started doing the the pre-release reviews in 2014, uh I I was a part of a night vision training mission with the Icelandic Coast Guard. And I was uh, hoisted outside of the the helicopter. And that one was particularly risky. So I, I actually used gaff tape to just gaff tape my entire phone rig to my hand. Like even if I... <laughs> Even if I didn't uh, hold on, it was it was permanently fixed in my hand. It took me like ten minutes to get it off. <laughs> Have you ever like sent one of those sample phones back to Apple, like in a, as a bag of parts? You know, <laughs> I haven't. I've uh, proudly. I maybe one one of them had been dropped, but uh, in general, I feel like we've we've uh, been fortunate that we haven't uh, had any any major major uh snafus or damaged any of those review phones that's good yeah that's an awkward phone call with pr i bet it's like hey (laughs) um so before we dig into the the iphone cameras and there's a lot to talk about today um maybe for people who aren't super familiar with you give us a a little bit of your background and how you kind of ended up in the place you are now yeah i'll try to keep that try to keep that short but um yeah i uh I've grown up kind of in the Mac and Apple community. My dad has been uh, working on um, Apple computers since 84. And uh, so I grew up on it and uh, was always passionate and bought my first iMac in 1998 um, when I was in seventh grade, mowed lawns all summer long to buy the iMac, when it, the Bondi awesome. Blue, uh, when it first came out. And uh, so then started designing websites and became really passionate about digital imaging and web development and particularly interactive web development and flash. And so went to college pursuing that. And then um, actually 15 years ago from this month had a pretty major 180 in my life and uh, um, uh, was just kind of going in one direction and changed directions and um, started following Jesus. And that was part of uh my story that got me into photography and became really fascinated uh, by light and its power over darkness and um, and in the in the spiritual sense and the physical sense and scientifically as a photographer became a real passion for me and then um, so I started pursuing that and uh, and then from there um, just began traveling a little bit more and uh, had never been out of the country before that and that following year. Uh, ended up on a trip to Tanzania and East Africa and took some shots and loved my time there, learned so much from the people there and learned also that I just loved traveling and shooting. And so I began uh, pursuing a career in photography and uh, started shooting a ton. And then um, I guess it was 2012, I remember seeing some of the iPhone reviews come out and they had just come out with panorama mode. And um I I saw these panos and kind of the the reviews and uh you know everyone had written perfectly great reviews but I wasn't finding any um any results from the panorama mode on the iPhone that was really um artistic or, or inspiring it was very very it, I what I saw in general was was pretty technical and so I was really curious you know what can this if this thing really can shoot panoramas what what can it really do? What 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 can we create with it? And so I've I uh, bought an iPhone the day it came out on in uh, 2012 and flew to Iceland and shot. I was I had another project to shoot, so shot that. And then on the side, uh, me and my my good friend Jordan Bellamy um, created a little video of just testing iPhone panorama mode in Iceland. And uh, 
that we shared it. I had a friend, uh, good friend uh, over at, at Engadget, Darren Murph, who uh, graciously uh, drove some traffic towards that review. And, and that kind of gained some traction towards this whole iPhone camera review thing. And then um, the next year it was in Patagonia. And then the next year did my first pre-release review back in Iceland and, um, and have been doing it ever since. And uh, so uh, I always love, for me, um, I define my, my life calling as to, to explore and illuminate the beauty of creation and to challenge, inspire, and enable others to do the same. And I see the latter part of that uh, calling as my photography itself. And I see, or sorry, the, the former part of that calling, the beginning, um, uh, is, is my photography itself. And the latter part of that calling is where my reviews come in. It's to um, hopefully inspire people to what is possible um, with the, the camera in their pocket and and enable them by giving them the knowledge and um, just kind of sh- showing them how to make the most out of this really powerful camera. And I hope um, I hope that my reviews do that for my readers. And I hope that uh, uh, just this podcast today will inspire and challenge you and, and hopefully help you make the most of the, the power of the camera in your pocket. Well, well, inspire is the right word, because like when you look at an iPhone review I write, there's like a picture of my dog. But for you, it's it literally it's amazing. In fact, uh, you one of the places you went for the iPhone, I believe it was the 12 Pro Max. You went to Zion National Park here in the United States, and um, my sister and I have been talking about walking the Narrows. And people who aren't familiar with it, there, there's these, there's this uh, basically a river that runs through these these um, these steep carved canyons and they called it i think they they call them the narrows right Mm -hmm. yep the narrows well we we've been talking about that for 30 years and i sent her your review and said okay you and i are going to do this and we're both kind of dealing with things right now but once we kind of get through it and the pandemic's over the two of us are going to go walk the narrows you inspired us but uh so i mean not only do you inspire people i think to take great pictures you also make us want to get on the road and go to these places well good i hope i hope you do and um i have I learned a lot. So whenever you do start planning that trip, feel free to, to ping me. I'll give you the the insights. We had to jump through quite a few hoops to make it happen, but it was uh, it was totally worth it. And uh, just an absolutely stunning, uh, stunning hike. It was a great way to test the, the 12 Pro Max. And um, yeah, don't don't skip the Zion trip. It's a uh, uh, it's it's a really special one. Yeah, I mean, from where I live, I could drive there in a day. It's not like it's that far away. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I think a lot of people have it on their be- bucket list, and rightfully so. And so I would, uh, yeah, it's what like seven or eight hours from where you are. Yeah. So so you did though look at this year both the the both the iPhone 12 Pro. You went to Glacier National Park, and you looked at the iPhone 12 Pro Max at Zion. And then we're going to put in the show notes the links to the reviews and. Uh, I'd recommend if you're in front of a computer to open up the reviews as we're walking through the um, the podcast, because some portion of this podcast really is going to be the director's cut of those reviews. We've got a bunch of questions about some of the pictures and and how he did that with an iPhone. Yeah, I um this year has been super, uh, you know, everything has been different this year. Right. And uh, so most of the time I'm going international um, for these these projects, because uh, uh, a lot of times I'm I'm kind of aligning these reviews with other other projects I'm shooting, uh, which are mostly most of the time is taking me out of the country. But um, this year uh, we decided to stick a little closer to home, and um, it's been fun to 
explore America the Beautiful a little bit more and and um, yeah, kind of tick off these uh, these things that have been on my own list, like the Narrows and um, of course Glacier is one of is a very special place to me and uh, my wife, and so it was fun to spend time out there too. It's a beautiful place and a great place to test these cameras. Yeah, and and you and your wife have been through the pandemic traveling around the United States in your Airstream and visiting some of these places. We're going to cover that in the more power users episode today. Some of the technology use air streaming across the country. But uh, I think the reason we're here today is to talk about cameras. So let's do that right after this. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by text expander. Go to textexpandercom slash podcast to learn more and get 20% off. Text Expander is the text expansion app to rule them all. With Text Expander, not only can you make your text expansion really powerful, you can also use it with your team to get the right words in every situation. Whether you need to keep legal happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has it covered. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports and customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals so you can track how much time your team saves. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current. You can also share your text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track. Everyone will share the same message and give the same answers to customer questions. I use Text Expander every day, and it helps me work faster and smarter. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations allow me to streamline and speed up everything I type. You can also create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is the abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. You can keep your whole team communicating efficiently with consistent language. Text Expander is available on the Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. They cover all the platforms and they do it brilliantly. So if you're using a Mac at home and a PC at work, Text Expander has you covered. And best of all, show listeners get 20% off the first year. To do so, just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. I've been a big user of this app since the beginning. They were the original sponsor of the show. We always appreciate that, but I just use the app every day and you should too. So, so once again, go to textexpander.com slash podcast to get that 20% off and start saving time today. Thanks, Text Expander. So this year is a, a little bit like previous years, you know, several years ago where Apple has made a distinction between the regular sized phone and the larger phone in terms of camera capability. I think we first saw that with the seven and then with the 10 and the 11, they were kind of all the same again. And now it's different again. So Apple's kind of changed this over time. So let's, let's tackle these uh, one by one, like you did in your reviews, because they are different and I think in some surprising ways. So let's start with the, the iPhone 12 pro. Um, what is, is new this year with that camera system? Did Apple make big hardware changes on the regular 12 pro. There were some, uh, some hardware changes. They, they upgraded the wide lens to a, a new seven element lens and, um, and it's slightly faster uh, than it was before, meaning the the aperture um, can open up a little bit wider and um, it it can let more light in uh, than the previous uh, previous than last year's wide lens 
when I refer to wide lens, uh, I mean the the normal one X, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, but really the twelve Pro upgrade was uh, really focused on software, and this is where we just really got to see what the software team uh, at Apple has been working on and see it really really shine. Uh, things like uh, night mode on the ultra wide um, were huge, uh, huge upgrades, you know, and, uh, and so it was really cool to see, uh, just, um, the, Im- the improvement in overall image, uh, image creation capacity on the 12 pro with, uh, really purely almost, almost, almost exclusively, uh, for, uh, in software. And, uh, the story on the 12 pro max, of course, was, which we'll get to is more about hardware. Yeah, the computational photography thing is where Apple has really put the gas down. And it kind of makes sense because you've got this camera with what is it like a basically a quarter of an inch of depth and you know the laws of physics determine exactly how much lens you can put with that much space. But if you can improve it on the compute side, well, the, with these A14 chips, they've got a lot of compute power to spare. And every year you go to the WWDC and or to the iPhone announcement, and they announce this ridiculous number of computations that are done on every image that you take through the device, and that's where the heavy lifting is being done now. Yeah, it's really it's really incredible to experience all of that crazy technology being pointed towards a better user experience and uh, a magical. It, it's almost it's 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 magical. Um, it, it's it's like beyond belief um, how well this thing can create images, and that I think um, it's easy. We've come to expect so much of um, of our iPhone cameras that um, it's easy to kind of get it dis you know not kind of lose the the sense of awe of what it's actually doing. But at the end of the day every user that picks it up takes a great photo and that's that's really amazing and and in almost any lighting scenarios now and like one of the one of the things that's really blown my mind um is just how the the rules are different in a a camera that relies so much on software for ex- for example you know if i were to take a 3 or 4 second exposure let's say a 5 second exposure with um my traditional pro camera it would be almost impossible to keep that image sharp hand holding it. You know, it's very, very difficult to hold yeah. your camera for five seconds, super still. And it's, it's exposing one frame and it would, it would definitely be impossible to do that while, while driving in a, a, a moving car, right. Or like with any sort of bumps or anything like that. And that the, just the, the laws of physics and the laws that we're familiar with as photographers just don't allow you to do that. You just can't keep it sharp. Well, on the iPhone, you're dealing with a different set of laws and rules because of how the software is bridging the gaps. And basically, you know, when you're shooting a night mode image, that's that's a five second exposure on your iPhone. It's not shooting just one long frame. It's instead it's shooting multiple frames per second, and then it's auto aligning the ones that line up and are sharp. And so over over a five second exposure, you might have you know, you'll have dozens and dozens of different frames and the iPhone will throw out the ones that aren't good where maybe you were shaking or bumping and it'll stack all the ones that are lined up and that are sharp and it delivers you a sharp image. Even if I see my hand is moving, I still get a sharp image. And that's just like, that's just crazy. And uh, 
it's hard to um, kind of wrap your mind around it. And so the more I always really encourage, you know, when you get a new, especially for traditional photographers, when they get a new iPhone camera to really go out and play with it a ton to understand where the, the, the limitations are and kind of how it works because it thinks, um, and it, again, it has rules that are so much different than what we, we traditionally think of as photographers. And that's a lot of, sometimes it can be a little daunting to, um, to understand, but once you've understood it, it's, uh, it can be really powerful for image creation. Yeah, I just hung my Christmas lights on the house the other day and my wife and I went out to look at them and historically, I take the tripod out and I set up the tripod and take a picture every year of the lights. And this year I'm like, well, let's see if Austin's right, you know, and I pull up my camera, shoot night mode, and I get like a perfect image standing there with my jiggly human body with a three three second exposure. It's just crazy how solid that is. It's it's really it's really nuts. They I, I do want to kind of like set the lens conversation though, because it's really easy when you read Apple's stuff, they call the wide lens what I think of as the normal lens, you know, the main lens. And then I think they call the other one the ultra wide. Yep. The the actual the actual wide lens is the ultra wide. And then they do they call it the zoom lens is the zoom now, or what's the, the Apple term? I think they call it telephoto. Yeah, okay. So I get them all wrong. <laughs> but the uh <laughs> <laughs> but the wide lens or David's normal lens is the mm-hmm. one you really want to focus on for those night shots, right? Yeah. Your best performance is um, is always going to be with the wide or normal or 1X lens. And so, yeah, the, the, the widest lens, they call that the ultra wide, and that's a 13 millimeter equivalent. And then they've got the, uh, the, the, the wide lens, the normal 1X, and that's a 26 millimeter and then uh, on the 12 Pro, they've got the the what they call the telephoto, which is the 2x, and that's uh, the equivalent of a 52 millimeter on the 12 Pro, and is the equivalent of a 65 millimeter on the on the 12 Pro Max. What are some other good night mode tips for folks that are are shooting with that wide lens? Uh, well, a, f- a couple of things. So, yeah, just to reiterate what you said, uh, first and foremost, the, you're gonna always get your best night mode performance with the the wide, the 1X, the normal lens. Um, now the ultra wide also has night mode, um, but it still has some limitations compared to the wide in terms of its aperture and um, uh, mainly its aperture, but uh, you're always going to have the best performance on 1X. So if, you, if you're if you in a, a very low light situation, I always recommend 1X. Another thing that uh, I hear from a lot of people is, you know, they get these kind of weird glares and um, flares uh, from light sources. And that's usually just because there's a fingerprint or some sort of smudge on their lens. So whenever I'm shooting at night, I always am extra sure to make sure my lens is extra clean. So I'll, I usually carry a lens cloth with me, but usually your t-shirt or just any other uh, fabric around can, can help you clean it off. And that'll make sure you get rid of that kind of haze or that weird like glare flare. And, uh, and then, yeah, I think, um, you know, if you are hand-holding a really long exposure, um, shooting several frames is always a good idea. You just get get to compare. Um, you know, some sometimes you might shake a little bit more than others or um, the iPhone might be able to capture a better image. So if I'm shooting a longer, you know, several second exposure handheld, then I'll, I'll always shoot a, a handful of frames. And especially if the subject is moving, if you're shooting um, still life, it's one thing cause it's just you moving, but if you're shooting, 
uh, your dog, uh, you've got you moving and the dog moving. So um, shooting a, a couple of frames is a good idea. And um, what else? I um, if you uh, sometimes I I'll use a second like my my friend's iPhone or my wife's iPhone to to light my subject. So you can use the flashlight, but I've actually found using the screen of another iPhone can be really great for creating portraits. Um, so using the light emitting from a second iPhone screen, kind of holding that in my other hand to cast some light on the subject is um, fun to experiment with. And um, yeah, I really like shooting uh, on a tripod too. So whether it's a tabletop tripod, um, I keep one with me all the time or a, a larger tripod. And then um, when you do go into night mode, you can it will show you at the bottom of your screen. It'll show you auto uh, when when you turn on uh, your night mode, or it may automatically turn on. But then if you slide uh, that auto slider, that, that that kind of time slider that's just above the the on screen shutter button, you see uh, that you can adjust the time. And if you go all the way to the right, uh, you'll hit max. And when you hit max in night mode, uh, the iPhone starts making some different decisions around movement. Uh, when it's in automatic night mode. All your it's it's trying to the iPhone is programmed to to freeze any of the movement that it sees. And so let's say if your dog walks across uh, or let's say you're shooting some water and you wanted uh, to and it was low light and you uh, if you're hand holding that and it's just in auto mode, it's just it's going to try to freeze the motion of the water and show you individual water drops. But if you're on a tripod and you go all the way over to max you're telling your iPhone you want it to blur the motion uh, in your frame. So you, instead of it, instead of the iPhone attempting to, to freeze those water drops, it's going to instead prioritize um, a blurring those water drops. And so to give you some motion, and that's how you get those kind of cool light painting shots where, that people do with flashlights or those traffic, those urban area traffic pictures that we see with the taillights and the headlights flying through the road or, or the, the blurry water river scenes. So that the key to getting those is being on a tripod and setting it, setting your your iPhone to uh, night mode in to to max time. In fact, my my favorite photo uh, in the twelve per review is your thirty second night mode exposure, and you can see not only the clouds, you can see the movement in the clouds, but that movement is also reflected on the surface of the water. And that this photo was taken in night mode. I mean, you you write right above it, you couldn't see the blue or green colors with your naked eye. This, this photo seems like a, a miracle of modern science and it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I was really proud of that, that shot. And um, it was fun to, to see what the, what this year's iPhone could do. And that's a really good example of what I was just explaining. So yeah, if you check out the 12 pro review, you'll see those clouds. uh, It's blurring the motion of those clouds over that 30 seconds. And um, that's because I was shooting in night mode max time on a tripod. Um, and uh, if I had shot it uh, not in max, it would have kind of it would have like frozen a frame of those clouds and they would have looked more like you, they would on any given day. And so that that kind of long exposure look uh, with the, the motion of uh, the clouds that kind of gives you that dreamy kind of surreal feel that you see in that shot. Yeah, another thing I got out of your review, and you just mentioned it earlier, was the idea of an additional light source for night mode. And there's a portrait shot of your wife in there where you were talking about you just held up, I guess, her iPhone or another iPhone with the white screen on it to, I think it was to your left, and then you shot a night mode. And so she has this additional light source on her face, which is a very dim 
light source at night, but it really changes the look of the image. And that's an idea that had never occurred to me before. Yeah, I think, you know, photography is fun because it's about experimenting and just trying new things. And so we were just trying, uh, you know, and especially in this kind of testing phase, you're trying to learn, you know, like what what works really well for this thing and what where, where are my limitations and what are its strengths. And so, yeah, playing with different light sources, I actually found that the flashlight was too strong. It was too bright because um, it was so dark out there and it was just um the flashlight on her phone was too much. So I actually had her iPhone screen at the lowest brightness um, to create that image, uh, which is hard to believe because it looks like it's so bright. But over that longer uh, exposure time, it, it builds up and uh, and the iPhone does a good job of exposing it. And so, yeah, I love to play around. That's so much of the creative process is about experimentation. And um, that's one of the most fun parts of my job is figuring out uh, how to solve new, new, new challenges, whether they're logistic challenges to, of getting into the narrows or, or, or logistic challenges to, of creating a specific image. And, uh, so yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of fun to play, play with different light sources. Now, it's somewhat related to shooting at night and maybe with this uh, portrait shot of your wife, um, how does the LIDAR sensor help out with that? So the LIDAR is really about, um, what is it? Light detection and ranging. Is that what it stands for? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, basically your, uh, your iPhone now sends out an invisible beam that is, uh, measuring the distance, uh, to objects up to, I think maybe 16, 16 feet or some, some, some distance like that in front of you. And, um, and it's using that light detection and ranging to, to actually determine where to put the focus point uh, for for your camera. So one of the things that we've all experienced is trying to shoot uh, shoot photos with your iPhone in low light scenarios, and you uh, or actually really with any camera. And there's that kind of autofocus searching where you've got that moment right in front of you, and your camera is searching for autofocus, and you can't shoot a picture because your iPhone or because your camera, um, whether iPhone or not, just can't find the focus, and it. At some point in all of our lives, that has driven us nuts. And uh, and autofocus needs a certain – traditionally, autofocus uh, needs enough light and contrast to be able to um, to uh, pull tack-sharp focus for the camera. And without it, it just can't focus. So now with LiDAR, we don't need that available light uh, to pull focus. Instead, it's providing its own invisible uh, light to uh, – to uh create focus so anyway like in a shot like that with uh my wife i had no despite having almost no visible light i had uh i never had any trouble at all pulling focus uh pulling focus on her which is pretty cool so that that works really well for any any subject that you're working with especially if it's like if you're you're trying to shoot your your puppy or um and it's something that's moving a lot that can be extra helpful because um, it's just constantly keeping uh, it's constantly keeping whatever subject in, that's in your frame and focus uh, much, much better and much more efficiently than uh, with traditional cameras. And I think I wrote in the review, too, that this is a really uh, profound jump up in how our cameras work in autofocus. And I haven't seen maybe it's there. But I haven't seen that technology in traditional mirrorless or, or DSLR cameras. And I'd love to, you know, the, what, what we have seen is that little green light that shoots out of, um, 
you know, point and shoot cameras or a red or green light. And that that's a similar um, similar concept. But of course, it's a lot more invasive. It's like blinding your subject and everyone can see mm-hmm. it. So I'd love to see LiDAR implemented uh, in mirrorless and, and DSLR cameras as well. But I think there's um, some software and some hardware that needs to be upgraded in order to, to, to see that happen. It seems like every time Apple talks about LiDAR, that what they show you is like something like the matrix, like it's trying to like capture your room for the matrix. <laughs> the, uh, but, but what it's really, I think really beneficial for everybody is camera improvements. I, I, I maybe it's just me, but I think portrait mode is easier now too. And I have to think that the lighter sensor is playing a role in that. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, portrait mode has traditionally needed more light for focus. And I think it's had a huge, uh, I know it's had a huge impact on that. Uh, the lighter has and, um, so this year it's, it's, it's much easier to get, uh, great photos of your loved ones and the, those around you uh, in low light, uh, especially portraits. Thanks to LiDAR. Mm-hmm. One big software change this year is Apple continues to work on and improve its, its smart HDR. Uh, I think in the beginning for some of us, it, it felt, um, a little too aggressive, but I've been really impressed with version three of it. How has your time with uh, the HDR stuff been? Yeah, you know, it's it's always there. It's always been kind of a trade off with HDR. Like sometimes, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, sometimes you look at photos and you say, you know, this is living by a different set of rules than a traditional camera. You take a photo in the narrows, and you've got a picture that uh, is you've got these dark shadows at the bottom of the canyon and you've got these bright white clouds being hit by the sun up above and and everything's perfectly exposed a traditional camera just you just really just couldn't do that not not that same way especially uh rendered immediately uh um perfectly um you you have we we have ways of doing that with traditional cameras and uh, stacking multiple raw photos and things like that, but just out of the camera, we just, it's just not something that we've seen. And of course, with film, it was even more limited in its dynamic range. So again, uh, so sometimes it's just kind of blowing your mind on what it's actually doing and how much mm-hmm. different and better it is than traditional image creation tools. And then other times, you know, we've all seen the smart HDR kind of have that weird, like orangey posterized look on people's skin and um, and these kind of effects that have looked kind of bizarre. And so um, I'm always looking for improvements in that. And I know the team has um, done quite a bit to uh, improve that over the years. And I think it was last year they uh, introduced what they called uh, semantic rendering, which was um, where your uh, the, the iPhone's recognizing humans um, uh, and like human faces uh, when you take the picture and it's it's applying different algorithms to the skin than it is maybe to um, like pink clouds or something like that. And so um, it's gotten quite a bit better. Um, and there's still some times when I'm shooting things like Red Rock, like out in Zion, uh, when the Red Rock is like uh, lit by the, the the last light of the day. And it's that kind of pinkish, orangish light on the Red Rock. And sometimes it looks a little bit unnatural uh it's almost hard to articulate but um i think it's gotten substantially better and uh and i think i there was a time there i think it was with maybe the 10s that i was 
I just like left it off. I just didn't I, like I appreciated it for what it was, but it affected me too much in pictures of like family. And I just didn't want those uh, those skin tones to look off. So I would just leave smart right. HDR off. Now I yeah, leave same. it on all the time. And I think we're going to talk about raw at some point today, but raw also um, what has a big impact on that. Yeah. I have turned it on now too. I, I, and I had the same experience. I, I, for me, for the longest time on the iPhone, HDR was a thing I used when I had a specific problem to solve with an image. You know, so it was the exception, not the rule. And at this point it's the rule. I just leave it turned on. Yeah, I haven't seen any like results this year that have made like an it made an image unusable, and that's I think where the tipping point is. Um, like, okay, well, maybe it doesn't always look, maybe it doesn't always look perfect, but um, but uh, it it all it generally looks great, and every once in a while it looks a little bit different or weird or off, but that's okay. That's tolerable for me. And then um, you know, there's other places too that we've seen improvements. Um, one of the things I wrote about uh, a couple of years back was uh, I, I love shooting silhouettes um, because um, I love to kind of drive my my viewer's eye towards the the shape of objects and just the form. And, uh, and silhouettes do a really great job of doing that. And um, so I, I shoot a lot of silhouettes and I was doing a review on the uh, I think it was the 10S and I was in Zanzibar. And I was trying to shoot the silhouette of a boat and I was pulling the exposure all the way down and the smart HDR was so good that it was actually rendering those shadows. I had like a a boat that was like sunlit from the back, harsh light, and I couldn't I couldn't get the camera to underexpose the 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 boat to the point that it was a shape. Instead it just kept showing me the shadows. And so um, it really made me realize how important it is to to protect how the artist uh, ex- to, to to give like lots of power and tools to people with uh, that in in the iPhone, but also to protect how um, how we express ourselves as artists. And so um, we've seen a lot of improvement in that as well. I've, I I shot some silhouettes this year, and uh, it, it looks. And, and I'm actually able to do that now. That, that's kind of a funny problem, right? Be, I mean, because historically, you know, cameras always gave you silhouettes when you had a harsh backlight. And now the iPhone's saying, oh, I'll fix that for you. And you're like, great, I appreciate that. But once in a while, artistically, I want a silhouette. And the iPhone's like, no, no, you don't. We're going to fix that. <laughs> so you're fighting with the camera to get the picture. But you said in this in this uh, latest version, you are able to get silhouettes out of that. Now, how do you how do you pull that off with the current iPhone? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways now. Um, but I, yeah, I think I think what you're talking about really highlights the values of the the team, particularly the software team, but the the entire team that's working on camera at Apple and the, the, the very conscious and thoughtful effort towards not just uh, creating a device with the most technical capability, but also like making sure that they protect and leverage that technical um, capability to, um, to enable the artists to express themselves. And I think maybe some of the other players in in this in this field, uh, you know, they're making other devices are a little bit more tuned towards like let's just 
get as many megapixels as we can because we can. And it's all about maximum technology and less about less thoughtful towards the creative professional who's um, who, you know, cares about a lot more than just megapixels or or, you know, amazing shadow uh, rendering on on HDRs or whatever. It's more about like, okay, like we 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 achieve something fantastic uh, technically, but it it's maybe not the best thing for people who want to express themselves artistically and, and finding that balance, you know, that I'm sure that takes a lot of deep thought and, um, and a really tricky balance. But I think, I think that's getting tuned in all the time with all these new technical capabilities and f- making sure that um, uh, the artist uh, is still uh, protected in what they're trying to do. So anyway, um, the, the question that you asked was, uh, sorry, I got off on a little rabbit trail there. What did you ask, David? <laughs> How did you pull off that silhouette image without HDR trying to fix it for you? So there's two ways to do that this year. Uh, traditionally, we would, for our exposure adjustment, we would just, uh, we would tap on whatever subject that we're looking to take a picture of. So in my case, it was the boat and that will, you know, that uh, pull focus on it and also pull exposure on it. Um, but then if you if you tap and then you drag down, um, that would underexpose your image. And I find myself doing that quite a bit. I generally prefer uh, shooting my my pictures um, just like a, a couple, a notch or two uh, darker than the iPhone's default preference. And so um, I I used to do that all the time. And in like a scene like the Narrows, I would just be underexposing like a thousand times a day. Just tap, drag down, tap, drag down, shoot, tap, drag down, shoot. And uh, one of the really cool features that came out with this year was the ability to lock and remember um, exposure uh, bias. So um, you could, if you go into your settings uh, on your iPhone and go down to camera, um, you can select, I don't actually remember the exact language, but it's like remember exposure adjustment. When you do that, it will, uh, and then you go back to your camera, you can, uh, there's the drawer that you can swipe up on that's just above your shutter button. Uh, so if you're in your native camera app and you're looking at, uh, you've got your uh, different photo, your different camera modes, it says photo and video and pano and time-lapse and all that stuff. If you swipe up on on that there, that you've got a drawer where you've got some settings and you'll see a plus and minus uh, on the right side. And um, you can actually make exposure adjustments there that will be remembered. So I generally, uh, for me, I... I uh, keep that uh, um, just darker by a couple of notches in the photography world. We call it stops. So I might keep it down one stop, which is just like a negative 1.0, sometimes negative 0.7. And then that just tells your camera to always shoot the image a little bit darker than the iPhone uh, is set by default. And then if in the case that you want, you uh, you can also just you can use that to underexpose. So you could drag down two stops and just make that image really a lot darker. So those are two different ways to shoot, um, and you can also use both of those tools to shoot brighter. So in the case that your your image may be uh, a little bit too dark for your preferences, you can use both of those uh, tools to to brighten the image as well. But um, I use uh, most often to create a silhouette. I'll use the the first option that I mentioned, just tapping on the screen and dragging down. 
This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com MPU and use the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. You can make your next big move with Squarespace because it lets you easily create a website for your next idea, project, or business. With unique domain name, award-winning templates that look great and are easy to use, and so much more. Think about what's on a modern website. It's not just static pages. You need to have video and you need to maybe have a store or a portfolio or a blog or a podcast. Squarespace lets you do all of that stuff because it's an all-in-one platform. You have nothing to install on a server, no software patches to worry about, no upgrades are needed in the middle of the night. Squarespace has all of that covered. If you have any questions, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. It lets you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and those templates really are beautifully designed. I've used Squarespace for a wide range of projects over the years, and it's absolutely great. It's easy to build on, and you can hand it off to somebody, and they can keep their content up to date very easily without fear of breaking anything. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com MPU. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right. Um, you also got a chance to spend some time with the iPhone 12 Pro Max. And like we were talking about earlier, that is an iPhone that has a, you know, a more substantial camera hardware than the standard 12 Pro. Um, so I guess we should start there. Apple announced at the uh, the iPhone event that it's got this bigger sensor um, and a longer reach zoom. Can you talk about kind of your experience with those and and how they're working? Yeah. So when the uh, the iPhone 12 Pro Max became uh, when they when they released that the the real big uh, kind of hardware upgrades that we saw for the camera were one a, a bigger sensor, um, a longer telephoto lens. Um, and th- those were the, the two kind of major things. So the bigger sensor, what that basically means for, for us is, uh, that it's going to take better pictures in low light and we might get a little bit of a shallower depth of field. It's kind of that, um, uh, more out of focus, like, uh, just maybe with one object in focus and, uh, other objects falling out of focus a little bit faster. So, uh, but at the end of the day, it's really the, the bigger sensor is about, um, better low light performance, less noise and just uh, more light collecting ability. And then the longer lens means we can punch in on, on things a little bit uh, uh, further away and get them bigger in our frame. So that um, where the, where the 12 pro has a, a telephoto lens, that's a four X zoom at, at 52 millimeters. The, uh, the iPhone 12 pro max is five X at 65 millimeters. So you, you've got a range on the 12 Pro Max from 13 millimeters all the way to, to 65 millimeters. And so that just means, you know, it's not a massive difference when you look at them side by side, but it just means you're able to get a little bit closer, you know, if you're shooting a picture of wildlife or if you're shooting a portrait or, um, uh, you know, just a distant landscape or something like that, you've you've got a little bit more optical zoom that allows you to to zoom in a little bit more and just get... That in your frame, and I actually use 
I use the telephoto a ton um, when I'm shooting landscapes. Uh, a lot of times I see a composition that I really like, but it's, you know, only it's kind of far out there. And so um, I carry, um, you know, I right now, right next to me, I have a 800 millimeter lens um, that I'm using all the time. So I'm always seeing kind of in this very tight, different perspective. And so any anywhere uh, that I uh, can, and that 800 millimeter lens to be clear is on a mirrorless camera, but um, I, uh, you know, I really appreciate the ability to punch in and you see differently with diff- when you have different lenses at your capacity. And so as we get, as we get longer lenses like that, that's kind of a, it's cool to be able to go all the way from 13 millimeters. So I, c- I can kind of go on a hike like the Narrows and I can see ultra wide. I can see these ultra wide perspectives that are a very different view, even if I'm standing in the exact same place than the 65 millimeter. So um, one might show, give you a stronger sense of place. The ultra wide might just like really capture kind of everything around me where the 65 millimeter like helps me punch in on one detail that I find interesting. So that's really what that zoom range means. And so, um, yeah, the 12 pro max, uh, from a hardware perspective, definitely is rocking a lot, uh, a couple of pretty substantial hardware upgrades. And, you know, in truth, when I compared them, um, and I wrote about this, you know, I, I didn't really see a huge difference between the 12 pro and the 12 pro max, um, just in kind of normal everyday use. Um, I, I kind of wonder how much remains to be seen in terms of um, how it's unlocked, whether that's with Pro Raw or just other other software that we may see in the future. Um, but I, I know they're laying the groundwork for. Um, I, I have I have to believe that they're laying the groundwork for more uh, more image creation ability with the the new hardware. And so for me, the you know everyone was asking me what's the should I go 12 pro 12 pro max? Is it worth it with all that hardware? And for me, it's really about screen size and and battery life. If you, if you like a bigger screen and want some more battery life, the 12 pro max is the way to go. And, uh, if not, if you like the smaller phone, the, the 12 pro is really, really, really powerful too. Yeah. They're both, they're both great and they both have the same software stack, you know, so you're going to get all that great software behind it. But you took one picture of your dog. By the way, you named your dog Mac. Yeah. Did you name your dog after the Mac? Well, that's just been what I've wanted to name. I've wanted a Golden for years and years. And uh, for, I mean, well, my family, we've grown up with Goldens. And this is actually the ninth Golden in our family. But this is my very yeah. first one to have um, of my own with my wife. And uh, I always, since I was a little kid, I was like, I'm going to get a Golden someday and name him Mac. And uh, so. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. It's but a good name. It, you took a picture of him inside by candlelight, and um, in that one you could see a difference between the 12 Pro Max, the larger sensor, and and I think for a lot of people who shoot pictures indoors, um, I don't know that it's enough of a reason to buy a Max camera, but you will get sharper pictures indoors. Absolutely, and and so that I, I write about this, but that that image was really um, I designed that experiment around trying to create, you know, looking for a side-by-side that that would really leverage all of the the new strengths in the Max. And so I wasn't on a tripod, which means um, it took advantage. We haven't talked about the new um, stabilization um, that the Max has, but it's got um, uh, a a new kind of uh, sensor stabilization. 
and um, it's got better light collecting ability, and um, and it so it, and it and I shot it with a wide lens, which is faster. So anyway, all of those things, I I really um, it, it really leveraged all of the best new hardware of the Max, and when you kind of stack all those things on top of each other in that type of environment, so that was maybe I. I can't recall exactly at the moment, but I think it was a three-second exposure handheld, and uh, it really did. You could definitely see a big difference. It was a lot. It was less noisy, um, which is thanks to the larger sensor and the larger pixel sizes. It was also sharper, which is thanks to the optical, the the stabilization that it uses with the sensor shift technology. So, yeah, hands down, you when, when you zoom in and you look at uh, a shot side by side in that type of environment, it's definitely a better, a definitely a better picture. Let's talk a little bit about the difference in the image stabilization. So this has been around on the iPhone for a number of years, uh, but Apple seems to have really upped their game with the Max this time. Yeah, so the way that we've seen stabilization provided to the iPhone cameras historically has been through optical image stabilization in the lens. Um, and the so you, you've actually got like a gimbal-type apparatus in the in the lens element itself and um this year they shifted to um a technology that we're more familiar with in the mirrorless and dslr world that's more of a a sensor shift um or in-body camera stabilization and uh and basically what that's doing is it's moving your your sensor um i think it's like five thousand times a second uh, adjusting it uh to stabilize so instead of stabilizing the lens you're stabilizing in the sensor and that it, that provides some interesting uh, advantages. Uh, you know, there's that jello effect that we've seen probably if you've been shooting video while, um, you know, in a bumpy car or maybe mm-hmm. in an airplane or something like that. And uh, so that's often as uh, that's often correlated with the optical image stabilization in the lens. The sensor shift technology is a lot better for that. Can also make a lot more adjustments per second. Um, so there's like really, yeah, those really high vibration environments. Like if you're on a four wheeler or any any sort of platform that's just shaking a lot, the 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 ibis or the uh, uh, the sensor shift is going to um, do a lot better uh, job at stabilizing for that. And I think it also I, um, is just going to be overall more durable. Is that something that you see coming to other iPhones in the future, or is this an issue that they really needed the bigger phone to pull that off, you think? You know, I would imagine we're going to see it eventually. I think um, at the end of the day, all of this stuff is about helping people with iPhones take take pictures that, you know, uh, enrich their lives. And this is a technology we see in the flagship model today, and I would imagine um, – Depending how it's received and how it improves people's pictures with the Max this year, I sure wouldn't be surprised to see it rolled out across the whole iPhone line um, because of because it it will really help people take better pictures. I've always felt the iPhone's real good at stabilizing video. You know, a lot of times as humans we walk around and move while we shoot video and. Historically, when you know cameras first got the ability to shoot video that was really bumpy, and uh, the iPhone has seemed to stabilize that. Were there any improvements this year for um, stabilization for video as well? I can't say that I, I tested a bunch side by side for that, um, but like you said, the iPhone does do a really good job of stabilizing video, and uh, 
Uh, I, I'm always, I always have such a long list of things I want to, I want to test, uh, and such limited time on these, these reviews. So I, that was one of those things that I had on the, the maybe list and I just didn't get around to, but, um, yeah, I've always had fun. And especially when you stack the software, the, the hardware stabilization with unique software, like, like hyperlapse historically and other, um, other apps that allow you to get some really cool stabilized effects. Um, you can get these really dreamy, uh, magical looking, um, uh, moving motion shots that are just super stable. And, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I'm curious to see what the filmmaking community does with the max this year with some of these new technologies. And it's and it's all on a camera that fits in your pocket. That's the crazy part, right? Yeah, continually getting crazier, right? Every year it's like, wow, this thing is just with me all the time. Now you were talking earlier about just the camera controls, and I think this is something a lot of users miss. And I don't know why Apple does it this way, but if you want to change the camera settings, you go into the settings app on your iPhone and there's a separate cameras kind of settings in the in the settings app and i i think a lot of people just don't realize it's there and that's where you can really kind of dial in to make the camera work the way you want you had already talked about the locked exposure adjustment that you were using through that setting are there any others in there of note this year there's really a they're they're always releasing new controls in there and so i always advise app when you get your new iphone if you take a lot of pictures definitely open up settings Go to camera and just scroll scroll through in there and see what's possible. Kind of like reading your camera manual, <laughs> um, which I always do. Like, um, uh, but it, it, you can kind of learn things. You 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 end up learning new possibilities and and uh, a lot. There's a, a nice little description under a lot of the different settings that uh, kind of explain why it's there. And a lot of times it's like, oh, that's cool. I've had that. I've had that problem. I wish I wished before I could turn that on or off. And so I always advise that. Um, but uh, yeah, this year we got the exposure adjustment, which I, I jumped into a little earlier. Um, the ability to lock our exposure adjustment and keep it the same. Uh, and then there's a couple other things too. Um, last year um, we gained the feature to to actually recover the. Um, it, the image that was outside of our frame. So if I was shooting with my 1X lens, it would actually show me what the 0.5X, the ultra wide, was seeing outside of my frame and it would capture that data. So when I later when I'm trying to crop or or or, uh, or correct the perspective, um, it could pull in that data that was also captured by the ultra wide. It's a really cool feature overall. Um, and again, kind of this 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 camera living by a different set of rules than a traditional camera. Cause we wouldn't, have, we haven't been able to do that with traditional pro cameras, but the, uh, the way it was integrated in the UI, it was, I found to be a little distracting when I was trying to frame an image. Um, and I was seeing things outside of my frame. So long story short, we've been able, we, we can turn that feature off now um, uh, when we want to, if we're being really meticulous about our, about our uh, composition. Um, so that was one of them that's in there that you can turn off now. And another one that I was really happy to, to see come back um, in iOS 14 was just uh, being able to use the volume button to activate burst. I, I actually use that feature quite a bit. I'll, I'll uh, you know, one-handed operate my phone and get it down close to the ground or something and then shoot a burst as, you know, a skateboarder jumps over me or something like that. And, uh, and, um, 
that we lost that ability last year. They um, instead it got re- the volume buttons got reprogrammed to uh, to record video, which was also a, an, a, a cool feature. Maybe more people used use it for that. But for me, I I really like the burst, and so we got the ability back to use our volume up for burst. Can I just insert right there, right there, a, a, a plea for burst mode? If you take pictures of kids, especially little kids. Burst mode is your friend because kids never smile if you take one picture. But if you shoot like 30 of them, one of them will be golden. I don't know. You know, I don't know why everybody doesn't use that feature more. I'm a huge fan of burst. And I think I think it's underrated um, because uh, like what you said, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's important to know that when you burst, you get a slightly different quality of image in terms of how it renders some of the HDR effects and some of the highlights and shadows. But um, so it may not be quite as robust in terms of um, how the camera uh, can render all the image, but it still looks really, really great. And I would way rather have the absolute perfect moment with really great light than the wrong moment with the best light. And um, and I think that's really important. I, I think not, not enough photographers, especially people getting started and, and hobbyists, they, they don't histor- typically... Uh, prioritize timing as as much as um, some of the other aspects of creating a great image and and timing is everything especially yeah if you're shooting uh, uh, if you're photographing your your kids or um, um, or anything else that's moving a lot of times the what matters more than anything is that perfect expression that you saw but you didn't capture or that perfect moment where the skateboarders at the the absolute top of their jump or whatever that is. Um, and so shooting a burst, I, I shoot thousands and thousands of images via burst and then toss the ones that, that don't work and keep the, the image that, that does work. And I think that's kind of one of my little iPhone camera secrets is, is always leveraging burst mode to capture the perfect moment. And just real quick, how do you, what's your workflow for dealing with tossing the ones you don't want? Well, the, the easiest way is to, to review them on your iPhone and select your favorites. And then when you uh, say you're done, it uh, it asks you, do you want me to just keep the ones that you favorited or do you want me uh, to keep everything? And if you just say keep the ones I you favorited, then it just tosses the other ones that right, right then and there. Yeah, that that's absolutely the best way to do it because you, you can really create a job for yourself once you start, you know, collecting all of those. Yeah, for sure. So, and if you do it the other way, you know, bringing it into photos, uh, you can sort your shots by burst. Uh, photos, actually, uh, photos on the Mac, uh, the photos app on the Mac uh, has some really um, great tools that are, that are really helpful for sorting and organizing your iPhone photos. And it makes it really easy to see your bursts and your panos and all that stuff. And you can take care of it there, but I like taking care of it on my phone. Any other settings people should be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, there's a couple other things in there. There's um, uh, prioritize faster shooting, which is uh, it's actually kind of uh, in there based around the same values I was just talking about. If you if you want to get a fa- the the perfect moment and you're just kind of tapping your shutter over and over, let's say you're not bursting, but you're wanting to take you know a few shots uh, or several shots in a couple of seconds and uh, sometimes the because the iPhone is doing so much computationally, it it, it can get slowed down a touch um, if you're shooting a bunch of images by tapping your shutter over and over. 
and uh, prioritize faster shootings, uh, it, it will give up just a little bit of uh, what it's doing computationally for image quality to give you the, the perfect moment. So that's kind of lined up with what I was talking about with Burst. And I, I leave that on. And then, um, yeah, we um, there's other things that we saw in the software um, f- um, in there. I don't remember everything. There's always new things that they add, but... Um, I would very much encourage you to get in there and and poke around and kind of turn those things on and off and experiment for yourself to see how they impact you and your style um, as a photographer. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to indeed.com slash MPU to get a free $75 credit to boost your job post. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and businesses across the globe are being challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visitors than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates, whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore, Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com MPU. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com MPU. This offer is valid through December 31, so act now. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So, Austin, we've we've talked a lot about uh, things that people can can pick up to improve their iPhone photography. Are there any uh, tips we haven't made to yet that you always make sure to share with people? Man. Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, it's uh, getting to know your camera. That's what we were kind of talking about before. You know, get out and experiment when when it doesn't matter as much. Just take an afternoon or a sunset or whatever to go out and just have fun with it and just shoot a lot and kind of learn what it's really great at and uh, how to kind of leverage those those strengths and what you like about it. And, um, you know, the last thing that you want is to be out there um, when – everybody's looking at you for a perfect group shot or, or when the light's really epic on your hike that you finally took to the Narrows uh, with your sister and uh, you don't know what's going on with your camera or how to make the most of it. Um, the iPhone is so powerful and it's really easy to use, but there's also a lot of um, just underlying kind of hidden power in there that you'll discover if you, if you familiarize yourself with it. So first and foremost, I would say just get out there and shoot uh, shoot with it and learn uh, learn about it um, and and how how it works and how it thinks and uh, 
uh, just general photography advice, you know, I, I always advise um, just to shoot a ton, shoot every day. And uh, I think if you're interested in becoming a photographer or just uh, better shaping your work, just um, assign yourself uh, uh, the task of going out and shooting just once a day for a week. And, uh, and I think you'll be really proud of what comes out of that. You'll find some interesting images. You'll learn more about your camera and you'll have a lot of fun. And that's how you kind of start to shape your, your voice as a photographer, whether you're doing it as a hobbyist just for fun, or if you're um, pursuing a professional career. And, um, and I think really being thoughtful of, about your, your subject is important. Um, uh, if you want to um, create a portrait of somebody, uh, you know, first make sure you connect with that person. And if we want, we, we take portraits because we want to share an image that people um, connect to. And if you don't connect to your subject, how can we, how can we possibly expect your, your audience to connect to your subject? So I think a lot of times we, we jump past um, some of these basics that are, um, that apply to you, no matter whether you're shooting with an iPhone or um, a traditional camera. And so um, think, think a lot about that and knowing the better, you know, your subject, the the better you're going to create, the better image you're going to create. And then, um, yeah, more iPhone specific things. Um, I, I generally am always using my, uh, my iPhone native camera app just because it, um, I, I'm always trying to play to the strengths of the iPhone. And I think one of the, the, the greatest strengths of the iPhone is how fast and nimble it is. And just the ability to pull out your, your camera really, really quickly, um, is, uh, really important in iPhone photography. Um, so I think, uh, if you're, if you do, uh, play with other apps, I, I really love Halide. That'll give you a little bit more manual control. Um, H-A-L-I-D-E. Um, they just came out with a Mark II version of their camera and it's fantastic. It's got a, a great, uh, user experience and, and, uh, um, the team over there has done a really great job and, um, and providing a lot more manual control while still keeping the interface really really clean. And if you do use it, you can create a little shortcut to um, quickly pull it up, uh, whether if you want to say to Siri, just camera or shoot mode or something like that. And she can, uh, using a shortcut, um, an iOS shortcut uh, that can pull up your your camera app. Um, if not, you can also put Halide. Um, you can also use like the double tap feature um, to launch a shortcut. So that was something that we, uh, got this year was the double tap and triple tap where you can tap the back of your phone twice and it'll run a shortcut. So if you yeah. wanted, um, that's a really, uh, a great way to be able to utilize something like Halide as, as another camera app and, um, and be able to really quickly access it. Um, so, um, I think, I think though that, um, uh, and I, I shoot with both. I shoot a ton with the native camera app. Just I, I really like to be able to switch between the different modes and the stability and just the um, the speed to access it. But I also pull out Halide when I want more meticulous and manual uh, control. And then um, yeah, I love using my iPhone as a remote uh, or sorry my my watch to remotely control my iPhone. We've had that feature for a while, but I feel like a lot of people still don't use that. So whether it's a a port, just a self-portrait. Um, I just the other day, Esther and I celebrated our anniversary, and we set up uh, the iPhone on a um, on a little tripod, and I triggered it with my watch, and um, that's just a great way to. Um, uh, it's a, it 
really nice to have that remote capture ability. And you can also experiment with it creatively and set up a little uh, set up your camera out in the yard and get a picture of a squirrel or maybe um, some other interesting wildlife, things like that. So I think the just keeping a spirit of experimentation and kind of knowing these all these different technical abilities and possibilities and experimenting them and, and with them in different fun ways um, is important. And just knowing, you know, that every image that you see from, at least from me and I think from generally from any photographer, you know, you're seeing one of 10,000, you know, there's so many experiments and uh, miniature failures uh, behind the scenes that happen behind every great image. So I just want to encourage you as you play with your camera, not to lose heart because your images don't look like the ones you see on Instagram um, because those are all edited and those are all a product of, you know, relentless endurance to, to, to create a vision. It's, it's not easy. It doesn't just happen on its own. And so play a lot with the iPhone and experiment and have fun with it. It's a, it's a really magical device. And, um, I think as long as you're having, uh, as long as you're having a blast with it, that's, that's what matters. Well, you did one thing in this year's review that I didn't think was possible with an iPhone and that's astrophotography. You took pictures of the, of the, of the universe. <laughs> I did. I mean, with that little lens and uh, I mean, tell me, how did you do that? Yeah, so um, that's something that, that we've really seen emerge uh, this year is the ability to actually capture the, the stars in a beautiful way. And um, so with the Max's uh, um, larger sensor primarily um, and night mode uh, in the software, we if you I, I was able to take the Max, I put it on a tripod. Uh, I got to a very dark sky environment, which is a really important part of astrophotography. So what I mean by that is um, I went to, you can actually like Google like dark sky finder and you'll see a couple different websites that show you the darkest skies in the world. And that just means, you know, the least light pollution. Um, and so I, uh, places like the Grand Canyon and uh, Zion or Mojave Desert, those are some of the, the darkest skies. I think the darkest in America is in at Big Bend National Park in, uh, in Texas. But um, go to a dark so I was in a dark sky environment, which is helpful. And, and when you're at elevation, that's also helpful. So, um, uh, then I point the, uh, the camera, uh, the iPhone 12 pro max up at the sky and then, uh, switch into night, night mode max. So that, that, uh, just to recap on that, that's the slider just above your shutter button when you're in night mode and it'll say something like auto three seconds or five seconds or 10 seconds, but you can slide that over and you can go to max, which is, uh, when you're shooting stars, it's usually going to be 30 seconds. And, uh, so, um, yeah, just point it up and hit the shutter and don't shake the camera while it's shooting and, um, out comes a beautiful, a beautiful shot of the Milky Way, which is, uh, uh, pretty amazing, really. Um, you know, there's so much, uh, historically, um, I've been, I've, I've been passionate about shooting the stars for years and years. And um, it takes a lot of technical capacity to do that. Um, you've got to have fast lenses and um, you've got to uh, really know what you're doing uh, in terms of how to expose it, uh, setting your ISO and your aperture and all these different things. And um, and so the fact now that anybody <laughs> can uh, get their iPhone and a little uh, $30 tripod or even 
just prop up their camera with no tripod and point it up at the sky and get a great shot of the stars is is nuts. And I just can't wait to see what everybody does with this year's round of iPhones and astrophotography. So you've talked about tripods a few times on the show. What is uh, some basic accessory somebody should get if they want to, you know, kind of up their game with their iPhone or mobile photography? Yeah. So I think uh, when you are shooting with your iPhone, I think it's really important that you don't jeopardize its strengths. I've talked about this a little bit, um, but one of its greatest strengths is it's nimble and it fits in your pocket. And the second you start getting a a kit that's so big you can't carry it with you uh, anywhere, then you kind of lose some of the, one of the greatest powers of the iPhone, which is it's sim- simple. It's very simple and easy to carry with you. So I, whenever I'm getting accessories for the iPhone, I'm always keeping that in mind. I want it to be really nimble and agile. I want to be able to easily keep it with me. So um, for a tripod, I'm a huge fan of the UltraPod 2 from Pedco. Um, you can get them on Amazon. Um, and, uh, and then I, that's just the tripod itself. It's plastic. It's got a little, um, a little Velcro, uh, strap on it. So you can strap it to like a fence post or to, um, uh, various, just basically strap it to anything. And, uh, and then, but that doesn't come with an iPhone mount. And I, I'm a big fan of studio needs glyph, um, that has a, it's, uh, it's got a, a, a quick release on it that makes it really easy to, to, um, to mount the iPhone on the tripod and also to pull it off uh, when you want to. So I use the, the UltraPod 2 in combination with the Studio Neat Glyph. Um, and then uh, other other accessories that I find are important, um, you know, a battery bank is something to use a lot, especially if you're shooting these long exposures and uh, of the stars. Yeah, that will um, start chewing up your battery a little bit faster than normal use. And so having a great battery bank is important. If you're shooting a really long time lapse, I have a solar powered uh, battery bank that I mount to my tripod. Um, and then for a bigger tripod, so I talked about a tabletop tripod was the, uh, a second ago, the UltraPod 2. But for a bigger tripod, I'm a huge fan of uh, Peak Design's travel tripod, which um, is super compact, but still a traditional full-size tripod and really well designed. And, um, it comes with an iPhone mount as well, which is really nice. And so that's a great, um, uh, a, a great kind of camera, uh, iPhone, pa- a passionate iPhone photographer's tool. And you can also mount traditional cameras on that as well. Um, let's see other accessories, uh, yeah, I, I always carry a lens cloth with me and um, I, I I do experiment with some different microphones and different lights and things, but um, I, I don't think you need to get into much of that unless you're really shooting for production. So I think keeping it simple and lightweight, you know, I used to use a lot of add-on lenses too, but now with the ability to shoot everything from 13 millimeters to 65 millimeters built into the iPhone, um, I just don't, uh, I don't really carry the lenses so much anymore. And um you do get a little bit better quality if you if you pick up a moment lens um, and want to use their telephoto or their ultra wide and it, it might be able to collect light a little bit better and things. But for me, the trade off, I just really like to keep it nimble and agile. And, and I love using the lenses built into the iPhone. All right. Let's say that you get a call tomorrow from Tim Cook and he says, hey, Austin, I love your reviews. I've decided I want to make you the boss of the iPhone. So I need you to come to Apple. You're in charge of the hardware, the software stack, the whole thing. What would you do? Man, 
Let me think about that for a second. I think I would, um, I'd probably keep everybody in place <laughs> and say, you guys are doing a great <laughs> job. And uh, I'm going to go out and take some pictures and give you some feedback, but uh, give, give a double thumbs up. And uh, I would, uh, I would, you know, I, would, I think I would encourage uh, the team to continue protecting how the artist expresses themselves. I think that's a really important aspect of that um, that they're doing now. And I think it's something that separates the iPhone camera from a lot of other cameras in the industry. And, uh, you know, I would I would really push into the raw capabilities uh, that that we're starting to see there. I think that's a I think that's a major factor in the future of um, iPhone photography is uh, pro raw. And, um, you know, I think that the limitations that I see that uh, I think they're con- they, they continue to improve on. But the primary reasons that I will reach for my traditional larger camera uh, is low light, which we've seen huge improvements on. Um, uh, the, another reason is uh, is the longer telephoto capacity, which we saw an improvement on again this year. And so both of those things, you know, I think we need to continue pushing in. Uh, uh, and I, I hope that we see that, that the Apple team continues to push into um, to both of those capabilities. And that, that's something I would definitely encourage. And uh, yeah, I would I would uh, improve the uh, the photos experience on the Mac and uh, get a tighter integration um, for that and uh, for between the iPhone camera and the Mac OS photos. I think um, there's some nice integrations there, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to be had there and a lot of power to be unlocked in our photos with a, a, a good pairing between photos on Mac and, and uh, on the iOS. Do you have a sense of how that works at Apple now? You mentioned, you know, I'm that you're happy that they are preserving the artist intent with these cameras. I know that Apple has the pro workflow team and they have, you know, people, creative people embedded all throughout the company, but do you have the sense that this camera system is built by photographers? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I know for a fact that there's a handful of really talented photographers that are working on the iPhone camera, you know, um, that uh, really understand this stuff. And I also know they, they do a really great job of listening to the pro community, um, you know, to under, to really understand what about this is working really well and what's not working really well. And they, they, they take that feedback um, and, and, and are really thoughtful about it. And I think we can see the results of that. I think um, a, lot, a lot of times we see it in the camera software uh, controls, like I was talking about earlier, the exposure adjustment stuff and the prioritize faster shooting and, I think they really are thoughtful about understanding what what artists and creative professionals actually want, and um, they're they're finding different ways to integrate it. And that 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 I think is one of the really challenging things to balance, you know, because the way that uh, I might think as a traditional photographer, the what I might think solves a problem, it could be completely different than how they actually solve the problem. Um, so, uh, because, you know, I might think how a traditional camera works, but they might think how software could solve that problem. And so they, I know that they have to be very thoughtful about what is the actual issue here and what are all the tools that we have at our capacity to, to solve this. And so 
Um, yeah, I'm always encouraged by how those improvements and, you know, I know it takes a lot of time and, uh, a lot of collaboration from teams across the board, um, in hardware and software and, uh, to, to make those things happen. But, um, yeah, I'm always encouraged to see each year how, how, um, the fruit of that kind of thoughtful listening, um, that from the creative pro community. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Woven, the all-in-one calendar perfect for busy people. Go to woven.com or click the link in the show notes for a free 21-day trial. If my calendar is out of sorts, I really feel out of sorts. I depend on it day in and day out to know what's coming up, what I need to plan for. And feeling disorganized really impacts my work. Woven syncs all of your calendars in one place to help you get over this feeling. You can bring in your Google, G Suite, and Microsoft 365 accounts so you can see all of your time, both personal and professional, something that's really important in 2020, as a lot of us have seen intermingling of those things. Woven builds scheduling links directly into your calendar so you can use them to schedule meetings, one-off links send to people. You can quickly block your time uh, using Woven's smart templates so you can easily plan your perfect week Woven also has built-in analytics. You can easily calculate where you spend your time so you can make time for what matters most. Check this out to take control of your calendar and improve your workflow. And as a listener of Mac Power Users, you can try Woven free for 21 days. Go to woven.com or click the link in the show notes. That's woven, W-O-V-E-N.com. Our thanks to Woven for supporting Mac Power Users and FM. So one feature that we have uh, at a time of recording, it's in beta, but not rolled out yet, is ProRAW. Can you explain the difference between RAW and regular shooting on the, the iPhones? And have you had any experience with it yet? Yeah. So, the you know, we, we've talked a lot today about computational photography and, you know, how all these algorithms and all of these uh decisions that are being made by the hardware or the, the software and hardware inside of your iPhone every time you take a picture and it's like millions and millions of like tiny adjustments are being made and stacking of all these different, uh, these different kind of layers of your image. Um, and so that all is uh, ultimately is why we can just point our camera at virtually anything and capture it, whether it's a, a portrait of a, moving dog in front of us or the stars, um, this, the computer inside our iPhone, it, the computations happening inside of our iPhone are, are handling it all. And so that that's one of the iPhone's greatest powers. And then uh, on the flip side, you've got in, in traditional camera thinking, uh, you've got raw files, which uh, when I take a picture with a traditional camera, it spits out a raw file. And that, that basically lets me make all the decisions, all as many, a lot, not all the same decisions, but most of my decisions myself in post, I can open it up into Photoshop or Lightroom or uh, some raw software and, um, and decide what I want to do with the highlights and the shadows and the contrast and all these different things. So I have full control to make these decisions on a large, um, a large on my pro display XDR later, whatever display. And um, that gives me full control. So that's, uh, raw is all about giving me full control as the artist and the iPhone traditionally has put out a file that uh, it's made all those decisions for you. And it looks really good right there in that moment. And so, uh, both of their pros and cons and 
Pro-Raw is kind of the blending of both of those worlds uh, that Apple's released this year. And it's giving you still, um, it's still kind of leveraging some of these these unique powers of the iPhone and its ability to make decisions on the fly, but it's giving us control to change some of those things later. And so instead of baking those, uh, baking those decisions into the file, like uh, a traditional JPEG would um, it's giving, we're getting a DNG file, uh, which is a, a raw format and it, it allows us to ma- to change a lot of those things later. And it also um, raw has some other advantages as well. You've got, more dynamic range in the file. You've got significantly larger file sizes. Um, so you've got a lot more data that's in that file and you get to make those decisions of how the image is rendered later. So um, yeah, it's not out yet. Uh, and so I haven't had a ton of experience with it. I have played a little bit with the beta and uh, shot some pictures of the stars and made some adjustments. And like one of the things I noticed um, at the very, be- uh, uh, just at the at the beginning of kind of comparing was um, it, it seemed like uh, in low light photos, the iPhone traditionally applies a good bit of noise reduction to smooth things out and, and uh, keep it looking sharp and smooth with less grain. Um, and when I shot it in raw, it gave me, uh, an image that was uh, had less noise reduction had been applied, which actually helped when I was editing the stars. It helped to keep the stars nice and sharp and crisp like I wanted them. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to experiment more with RAW, to play with it more and see um, how powerful it is. Um, for, and, you know, it's really a feature that's targeted towards the pros, towards people that uh, are not perfectly happy with the image that comes straight out of their iPhone and want to have a little bit more control in some of these extreme environments. And um, again, you know, we just touched on this, but I think it it's a feature that lends itself to listening to the creative professionals and um, and bringing out something that that gives the creative community what uh, we're asking for. And I, you know, I never even thought about ProRaw, well, how how you blend both of these things, uh, this great power of computational photography and um, the control that I want later. And Apple's answer to that is pro raw. Yeah. I, I don't know what to think of it either, but I, I, the idea of having your cake and eat it too, sounds really, you know, sounds really interesting. Yeah. I think, um, things like smart HDR and other things, you know, sometimes if you see an image that doesn't look quite right for you, uh, for your preferences, you can, you can open it up in pro raw and you can make some adjustments to things later and, and make it just right. So awesome. We spent a lot of time today talking about the the camera app and and photos, but uh, what are some of your other favorite apps and services you use to to pull all this off that people may not be aware of? Man, there's so much behind the scenes. I'm I'm working on a I'm working on a setup right now. I'm just my mo- or an article on my mobile creative workflow for 2020 because there's just so many different things that I'm I'm using to to make it all come together, but you know, I, I use my 16 inch MacBook Pro at the it's at the center of everything that I, I do in my creative workflow uh, when I'm on the road. And then uh, when I'm back home, I connect it to the Pro, Dis- Pro Display XDR. And, uh, um, you know, I actually find the 16 inch MacBook Pro is um, I don't really need a desktop. It's fast enough for me, even when I'm processing my huge 100 megapixel Hasselblad files and um, and so I I just love and with the eight terabytes of internal storage it's awesome uh, to to use for 
to store all my my image archive with me and take me with me everywhere. So I don't I don't really use a desktop computer anymore. I just connect it to my my XDR and a display. And um, and then uh, when I'm not, I, I love uh, I use little hard drives when I'm uh, I, whenever I dump my images, whether from my iPhone or other cameras, I'm um, I'm dump into two separate hard drives. So I use my uh, little my little uh, Lassie drives that are super fast, solid state drives, and really like those. And yeah, what other what other tools? Let's see. We're going to talk about Airstream here in a little bit, which is a a, a part of what I, my creative workflow. But um, other apps, I, I mentioned Halide. Uh, I I love using tools like Photo Pills. Uh, it's an iOS app, Photo Pills. And it helps me plan around light and so sunset and sunrise times and same thing with the moon and gives me a, um, it helps me plan when I'm going to be where. And um, that's a big part of uh, creating a lot of the images that you see is uh, just planning around light. And uh, I use dark sky to plan around weather um, uh, just for hourly forecasts. Um, That's an important part of my uh, workflow. And then I use Lightroom. Uh, on iOS and uh, Lightroom CC on on the Mac to keep my image library um, uh, in the cloud and and to share my images with with clients and um, I love Lightroom. It's gotten quite a bit uh, better the mobile version and it, it's also great for processing the raw files uh, that the Pro raw files that the iPhone is spitting out. And uh, yeah, that's a few things few things off the top of my head. All right. Well, gang, uh, I want to thank Austin for coming in uh, on more power users. We're going to talk about how you're pulling all this off out of your Airstream. But but for now, I would recommend heading over to austinman.com, A-U-S-T-I-N-M-A-N-N. There's two N's, dot com. Uh, he's got a traveler's guide to iPhone photography if you go sign up. And it is definitely worth your time. And you can see all these amazing uh, reviews you've done and these great locations you've gone to. And, and honestly, Austin, every year I look forward to this review that you do of the iPhone camera system. And, and thanks for taking all the time and effort to making this for us. Yeah, of course. I always have, it's always such a thrill for me to um, play with the new uh, capabilities of the iPhone and to get to share it with this community of, you know, what's, what's possible now at these new, these new tools that we have on our iPhone camera and, um, so, um, yeah, I, uh, uh, I love doing it and it's always great to hear your feedback. And yeah, as David said, I've got some, um, some resources for photographers that are looking for more, uh, to, to, you know, refine, refine their skills as photographers. Some that are free and some that are paid training resources. And, uh, so check them out on my website and, um, I'm uh, happy to be here and, and thanks for listening. All right, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors today, Smile, Squarespace, and Dean and Woven, and we'll see you next week.